ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Heads gonna better roll. better not make fun of me for this. No, I'm going to make you a Spotify playlist of Jenny Lewis songs. Um, and Because you like people who bring you things. I'm going to bring you Jenny Lewis. Thanks. I'm going to make Dahlia a um, Drake mix, too, for her birthday. Oh, I told her that. She's really looking forward to it. I think the middle is a little, like, ugh. it's. it sounds a lot like a lot, of, a lot of other things I've heard, and it's not bad. Like, I'm not going to be like, okay. oh, I need to turn right. this off right, right. now. Gosh, I can I can get this upstairs in my house. I don't need this on my podcast. <laughs> Come on. This is my basement. This is my time. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Taking a break from the gigantic meal of work I've been eating daily for the last couple of weeks, it has been uh, it like, has been prodigious on my like, end. But like I'm that thrilled to be here. Eat, all you can eat buffet and that Hill Street. Get Blues it, episode. son. Get it all. That has been me all uh, all day, every day. Well, dude, you know that the reward for good work is more work. So that's what they've been doing to you. That for sure. is lovely. It's probably it's probably it's time to it's time to punt a major responsibility for sure. Get him back. Bart- Ben Barton currently in Knoxville, but this week you're flying to Yeah, Portland? so first we have a special guest for the Woo! song portion of the entertainment. My daughter, Georgia, is going to join us. Come on. And then, uh, yeah, this week we're going to visit colleges. We're going out to Portland to see Reed, and then we're going back to New York to see Bard, and then we're flying home all in like three days. So it's going to be a lot of fun. What about uh, St. Andrews in Scotland? Just kind of keep going. We really should add that. You and should. also be in Hong Kong and Thailand. We can just keep going. <laughs> well, that uh, it's so funny. We're starting off on uh, with geography here because in 2019, Gutter withdraws from OPEC. Do you all know Gutter, of course? You're saying it with a G sound. That's I how you was, pronounce it? I thought yes, it was Cutter. No, I'm 75% sure. Okay. Georgia, what do you think? Huh? <laughs> That's what Perfect. I'm talking about. I was told not to listen. I was told not to come in for this part. I'm very scared. Let's all agree that it's not Quatar. Or no, no, it's Qatar. Yeah, it's Cutter. I think I learned it was Cutter. Really, it's because, Cutter. 
The only reason I know that is when I was watching the coverage of them killing migrant workers trying to build stadiums for the oh, World Cup. Everybody on. was was very careful to pronounce it Cutter. Way to kill the vibe. I uh, know for sure. They, Jeff, oh, that country, you're taking Tim's thing. Is that why we brought up Cutter? Because they well, well, they withdrew from OPEC in 2019 in order to leave them more time to listen to podcasts. Yes. Because we are the number one music history podcast in Cutter. Cutter. Well, then stop killing migrant workers when you build stadiums. No, Jeff. Yeah. We, Jeff, have a, Jeff we have Jeff. a pull fit. Jeff, for the purposes of our ratings, you know, we're, we're, we're not here to what comment. What are the chances? Wait a minute. The Venn diagram of guys listening to our podcast yeah. and pro-killing migrant workers has it's, got to be very yeah. small. I assume whoever's listening at Cutter is way on board with the yeah. human rights they like workers. plan. They like yes. soccer. They like fair wages and, and fair working conditions. It's th- I'm thrilled to know you're out there, person in Cutter. Welcome. And by the way, Timmy, you sent out the bat signal last podcast, and uh-huh. now our listens are up. You've been amazing. Isn't the that amazing? The marketing department is en fuego. You're the They're best. Really great. How do, you, how do you guys know that listens are up? Is that Tim? You, Tim is you tweeting some... it out. I'm not yeah. tracking it, oh, but okay. Tim is actually tra- tracking it. It's uh, you know, we got these young interns with the guerrilla advertising style. I it's love really, it. really taking off. Um, <laughs> all right, well, let's get a flavor of 2019. This is where we need our youth correspondent to weigh in. George, get let's, ready. Let's go. The Grammy winner, Jeff Simons. Uh, you usually do the number one song first. That was all queued up. No. Here we go. No, we always do the Grammy winner first. Well, then I'm stupid. Here's the Grammy winner. <laughs> it's the Grammy winner. Bad Guy by Billie Eilish. before in my life never heard it really never heard hold, hold on ben your microphone is off yeah so that's billy eilish i indeed, think indeed it is never my, heard it. my take is that the way you can tell that this song just like absolutely slaps is that this song is like a huge meme and like and like I, there are so many memes about this song there is like but I still absolutely love it. <laughs> like, uh, like the podcast listeners will not know this, but I was dancing a lot. And it's, okay. It, I it's like there's it's a big meme, and I I'm a I'm I wouldn't say I'm a huge Billie Eilish fan, but I really like that that album. It's really great, and like I, I like the bass, the like is is that what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a good music terms person. No, that was good. 
but I, I, I love the, I love the bass and I love like the beat and it's just it's a very good song and like her like sort of like low growl is just like very yeah why, why um, wasn't Jeff's why wasn't Jeff dancing Jeff we were all dancing where were you oh I was dancing in here I like that oh. song a lot that's a good one um it is the classic <laughs> example of how headphones have changed everything about music though like huh. that's a song that would have been mixed completely differently before earbuds like why? it's what that song is mixed to be listening on high quality headphones like this the the <laughs> little breaths that are percussion the way this the way the I mean, slaps is the perfect word for it. But like, if you listen to that song through car stereo speakers or in your house, it doesn't have the same impact. It's it's really? it's mixed. You just to gotta live turn it up, head. dude. You just gotta turn it up. And it just like it just it just it, it falls away into the room in a way that like a mix. Like if you go back and listen to "Since You've Been Gone" by uh, Kelly Clarkson and this okay. song, uh -huh. that's the difference between listening out of headphones and listening uh... in headphones, and it's changed music completely it's interesting i like I, I mean this is a song i like a hundred times more when i'm wearing headphones because of the way it's, it's uh mixed all right but, by the way but, Beth, uh, tim do you understand both the terms slaps and meme are you are you okay you looked now, a little you looked what, a little worried what was weird is i picture <laughs> memes like obi-wan saying i have the high ground that's that's a good one. That's a classic. Okay. But like it's like it's like they're like video memes. That's a thing they're too. They're video memes? They're video memes. Aren't like, those called gifs? Gifs? Oh, my friend. No. It's <laughs> not at all. Dang you're it. you're a little behind. Don't worry. But like on, on YouTube there are like these like 5 second videos or like 10 second videos that uh, and like I, I or like on okay. Twitter there'll be like 30 second videos or something. Like there are these very short videos that like you could call them just very short videos, but like they're memes. They're meant to be memes. But That's this great. is a great lead-in to the fact uh, that we haven't introduced ourselves. It's 50 years of music because 50-year-old white guys couldn't be any more clear on the Drive-In Podcast Network. Go to the musiccitydrivein.com uh, website for all your podcasting articles, questions. <gasps> Georgia, would you like to do an article for our, our website on memes? Um, I think you, I should probably you, be doing my homework. Think it over. Okay, I think that okay. I should probably prioritize that, but okay. maybe right. during the summer. Think it over. For those yeah, of you listening at home, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben, do you like Billie Eilish? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Billie Eilish. Big and in fan. particular, like, the girls are super warm to her. The record's, in my opinion, really, really interesting. It's a classic one where it's a huge, gigantic hit that does not sound like other stuff on the radio. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, um, that's true. I think okay. we talked briefly about the um, documentary about her and I am worried about her. Like, yeah, me too. I'm just worried about, uh, she's a super, super, super sensitive kid and she's had a massive amount of fame and been put under a gigantic amount of pressure. Right. I, and I mean, Taylor Swift handled it. Um, Lana Del Reyes, we'll talk about it here today, handled it, but it's not an easy thing to get through at all, so. Yeah, she's done a bunch of, like, cool interviews and cool, like, stuff about it. Like, Dolly, Dolly showed you that video that, like, put, that played for her tour about, like, body image and stuff, right? Yeah, totally. That one's yeah. really cool. I, I don't remember what the video is called, but I'm sure if you look up, like, some of those words, Billie you'll Irish probably body get image, it. for sure. Yeah. Okay. It's very cool. We will check it out. Moving on with 2019. Uh, gentlemen, Avengers Endgame comes out in 2019 and becomes the highest grossing film of all time. Wow. Um, 
closest to the pin contest, how many minutes long is Avengers Endgame? Oh. Go ahead. You want me to go first? Closest to the pin. Okay. So I I don't have to worry about going over. Right. Okay. It's 191 minutes. I think it's 171 minutes. It's 181 minutes. It's a tie. I love it. (laughs) That's unbelievable. I knew for sure it was three hours. I thought I knew a, it was over three hours. So I feel like I get that one. I'll take it. It's a chore. That 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 movie's like <laughs> disagree. Disagree. It's a chore. What do you get? Wait disagree? a minute. You didn't like it? I liked it, but it's like okay. I gotta like time my snacks. I gotta time my bathroom breaks. It's a lot. We're fifty years of fifty year fifty year old guy at the movies. I totally disagree with that. Georgia and I and some of her buddies went opening night at the Uh IMAX where the people were dressed up as Avengers and stuff. Like we went ahead and did it the right way and it was amazing. We really liked it. What was was the mood in the theater like when the uh, little portals opened and people started coming through the portals? Oh, everyone was off the hook. Like, honestly, this is a pandemic thing that I really miss. Like I like being around other people, especially when they're excited. And that was a perfect example of it. That was really good. Great moment. All right. Um, The last Volkswagen Beetle rolls off the assembly line in 2019. In what country does it roll off? Go ahead, Ben. Mexico. It is Mexico. Excellent Uh, work, Ben Barton. I'm in Fuego tonight. It's my night. All right. But here's here's (laughs) where you'll fail. Oh, thank you. When is the (laughs) name the year of the first uh, production of the Volkswagen Beetle in Germany? What year? You want me to go first or Jeff? Jeff, you want to go first? Uh, In Germany. In Germany, Volkswagen Beetle first production. I'm going to say 1948. Ben, what do you got? I'm going to say 1957. 1938. Oh, wow. Way back. Yes, that's a. I mean, they must have had a government that prior. Never mind. Um, You know, that was the first car my family owned. We had a 1969 Volkswagen Beetle and we sold it in 1980 because my dad just felt like he should have a newer car. And every car he bought after that was such a lemon for like 10 cars in a row. It was the curse, <laughs> the curse of giving up a car that would just would still be driving now if given the opportunity, you know. Uh, all right. I always uh, love them. Do you guys Beatle fans like Herbie the Love Bug, that those 70s no, movies? Like no. Oh, really? I watched those in the drive-in movie theater in Anaheim with my grandparents. And uh, I always love those cars. I'm a fan. Yeah, Herbie the Love Bug, where he'd like do wacky things and yeah, yeah, no. where the little hood goes up and down to smile <laughs> and like he wins the Grand Prix for no reason. Okay. And they're those classic Disney movies that they made for like five dollars, you know, it's like they got one person you heard of and like a bunch of kids who want to be famous and yeah. then just had no script, they were just unwatchable. This Apple Dumpling Gang and this one is... of our dinosaurs is missing. They made like a hundred movies like that. In the this 70s. is where. So we, we hooked the young people with Billie Eilish, but then for the old people, hang on for the Apple Dumpling Gang. That's right, we'll Don Knotts. Here come the Don Knotts references, old people. By the way, Jeff, be okay. when Tim is like, I don't appreciate it, it's not for me, you're losing. That's a bad sign. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. In 2019, Jeffrey Epstein dies of suicide in a jail cell in New York City. Uh, Jeff Simons, do you believe it was suicide? Oh, I don't care. Okay, Ben Barton. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I believe it was suicide, but like. I believe Lee Harvey what, uh, Oswald did act alone. Whatever. That, that awful, awful human being. Good riddance. I'm trying really hard not to give one shit about that guy. Like I won't watch the documentaries and I won't. I just don't want to engage. Just monstrous human being. Better off without him. You're out. Yes. I like that take. It definitely wasn't suicide. I try not to be a conspiracy theorist, but there's no way that was suicide. And I will note, okay, I have been down to the American Virgin Islands and oh, seen dear. his island. Oh, dear. No way, really. You can actually see it from the beach. It's crazy. Jeez. That's unfortunate. Yeah. My son is headed there in two months for a marine biology research program. Okay. I think you mean no. the Virgin Islands. I, yeah, let's just clarify. <laughs> He's actually going to the British Virgin Islands, so I'm sure it will be less uh, less rapey. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk uh, documentaries. I know that the Fire Festival concert uh, happened in 2017, but the competing documentaries, the Hulu documentary and the Netflix documentary, came out in 2019. Did either of you watch? either of the fire festival documentaries chose not to i did not either although i'm aware of the story but no i watched neither one did you watch both to make a i just watched the netflix um this past weekend i recommend it highly oh my god Um, oh really okay it uh, came up in my you should watch this the other night and i I, I recommend it highly and um just the level of stress that you will experience is, is remarkable. Oh, I don't know if I, that's the last thing I need. <laughs> yeah, then. actually, you should wait, Jeff Simons. Um, and let's, uh, I'll hold off on the other documentary till we hear the a number one hit. It's the number one hit. Old Town Road by Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus. No more. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black, got the bushes black to match. Riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your Porsche. I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch now. Nah, can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Riding on a tractor, lean all in my blood. Cheated on my blood. So, just to give you some context. Debbie Debbie Boone's You Light Up My Life was a massive number one hit, and it lasted on the charts for 10 weeks at number one. Very few songs. We got some Boys to Men, some Mariah Carey, get to 10 weeks, get to 11 weeks. Despacito, 16 weeks at number one. So, Jeff, you were talking about like this, what was it, 2.5 billion listens? Yeah. Or something like that for Despacito. Old Town Road was number one in the United States for 19 weeks. Good Lord. That's unbelievable. And in the truest sense of that word, it defies belief (laughs) that that song was number one for half a year. Are you down on Old Town Road? Me? I think Old Town Road is the safety dance of its moment. So I, I don't begrudge it, but I have nothing to do with it. Like, when I was 13, that we can dance if we want to. I like that song for like okay. six weeks. And then it deserves to be forgotten. 
I feel like Old Town Road is that song for that summer. Ben? Yeah, it's a, that's a tough one. I don't really care for that song. And I don't really like the rap country combo. Oh. I will note that superfan Kevin Brown recommends to us Breland, who's another rap country guy who's playing oh, at that's Bonnaroo. Right. Oh, is he playing right. at Bonnaroo? Yeah. Can we, call that, can we call that genre country? <laughs> rap it, I don't rap know what you want to call it. But I mean, that being said, country. I would never like choose to listen to it. It cracks no. me up. It's super funny. It's not a little bit funny. It's yeah. freaking hilarious. Yeah. And the fact that it's, I mean, like the, the, the dedication to the bit where it's the biggest hit of the year and the biggest hit of the decade makes me laugh even harder. Like yeah. I just, I really yeah. appreciate that. What was the rap song in the nineties um, that went cowboy? Was it cool Modi? No, Kid Rock. Is that? No, there was a, there was like a, there's a, a Wild West shootout rap video. Oh, Wild Wild West? Yeah, that's it. Who's Will that? Smith. That's Will Smith for sure. That's the, the Men Ricochet in Black bullets? 3, right? <laughs> Tie-in, I think. No, no, think he was, was in... I, what was Wild, the name of the Wild, dumb Wild movie? Wild Wild West. You're right. Oh, that was the movie? It was like a, yeah. it was like Western superhero though, right? They had like... No, no, it was Western robots. That's yeah, it. There were robots there. Uh, I, I, I would have I'm loved right. to have been at that pitch meeting. By the way, <laughs> they figured well, dude, out that how to pitch make meeting. Them. They were like, "We have Western robots," and the, the studio exec was like, "That's a dumb idea." And they're like, "We have Will Smith," and they were like, "That's an awesome idea." Here's the money. I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right, let's uh, let's move on. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out that cool mode D thing. Operation Varsity Blues. Uh, gosh, we're all in education. Did we pay attention to this particular story? Dude, I know people implicated oh, in that. Do you? Yeah. M might we have to cut this portion of the podcast? No, I won't say anything more about that. Like, I, 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 I mean, not close friends, but acquaintances uh -huh. who no longer live anywhere near the area. Like, houses went up for sale very suddenly and, and, uh, boom, they're out of town. Yeah. Three days after that. Yeah. Ben Barton, UT didn't get mixed up in that, correct? No. No, we're too low rent for that. But it did really hurt my feelings. I couldn't believe how horrible it was. Like that it was just awful. Like everything that's bad about America, super bad. The, what um, I can't believe is how um, gullible and uh, just the idea that they wouldn't eventually get caught. Like I just can't. Oh, right. That part just like if you're running a grift like that, you are going to get caught. It doesn't surprise me at all that it happened. The wider but, uh, the circle gets. The, yeah, your chances of getting caught increase exponentially. Yeah. Um, what, but also the thing that really irritates me, I mean, this is maybe this is the take you guys have. Like the thing that's particularly noxious about it, this whole side door thing is almost everybody that used the side door could afford the back door. Yep. Right. Like these are families okay. that could have written a million dollar check straight to the admissions office and gotten their kid in. There are always schools. There are there's any school that's going through a five hundred million dollar campaign for raising money. <clears throat> this is the story. I will not yep. name names. I will not name names. Yep. But there are definitely colleges, in my experience, working at an independent school, where kids apply and the parents call and say, "What will it take?" And the and the admissions department says it will take a check X. for eight hundred thousand dollars. They write the check for eight hundred thousand dollars, and our worst student ends up at an awesome school. That's the back door. The side door is trying to get in for 250 instead of 800. So it's particularly disgusting because yes. you've already bought your space 
You've already bought your privilege and now you want a discount on your, on your unearned privilege. privilege through this scumbag. And that part, that's the part that's so American. It's even more American than I will buy my way into a place I haven't earned. It's I will cut right, a deal European. into a place yeah. that I haven't earned. It's so Trumpian that I just, it's just gross. And the fact that you've got some families that are super liberal in their politics and in their philanthropy caught doing the precise thing they find most noxious about the other side. The irony of it makes a frothy, undrinkable cocktail. That's my two cents on it. I, uh, it pains me um, to watch that documentary when they, when the parents are rigging the SAT or the ACT for their kid and their kid doesn't know. And they have, they have so little confidence in their child that they, they fix the game. And then the child's like, oh, I got a 34 in the ACT. Yay. The kid and, knows. I don't believe any of those kids did. A, a kid who really uh, knows themselves knows. Well, that's interesting. The end. And they know their parents, too. Yeah. yeah. I don't believe any. I mean, it's funny, Tim. I don't believe any of that. Interesting. I think that's Ugh. a delusion, you know. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Uh, you need to play Wild Wild West by Cool Modi right now so I can be absolutely vindicated. Wild Wild West. Oh my god. Wild Wild West. 1988. Wild Wild West. Nominated Wild for a Grammy. That's so bad that Ben's computer shut down. <laughs> You see that? Hey, That's actually Deus Ex Machina. That's called that was puberty. so horrible that <laughs> Ben's computer was like, I can't compute and shut down for that 45 seconds. Wow. Ben, were you able to hear that? I was. That was amazing. Awesome. <laughs> the top 25 marathon times of all time were clocked by 25 different men, which is extraordinary. All of them are either from Kenya or Ethiopia. How about that? And, and this dedicated uh, listener from Togo, I believe a former student of Ben Barton's, oh. wants to put it to the two of you, how many countries are in Africa? This is the impossible question on the 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys podcast. This is where Jeff once again makes a gigantic ass of himself. How many okay. countries are in the continent of Africa? You're, you're, I'm, Jeff is, his eyes are wandering. He's looking it up. I'm not looking at You are cheating for sure. That's a lot. I swear. I will say the number that popped in my head. It's going to be horribly wrong. I will embarrass myself with the guess of 18. Oh, that's just good. I mean, I'm, I'll take 19 because it's way more than 18, but I think it's, it's probably like, like 70. 32. Right? Okay. It is 54. There you go. See, was not looking it up. Did you say 14? I said 18. Did, did you just I was play just Risk or something? Is that what you no, got going on? I was just on? trying to think of like the world map I put together with my kids. There's like 18 pieces in the Africa section, but it's probably four could, countries per could piece. Could have been a racist map that you're putting together with your children. Right it probably there. was fought in 1971. So you're right. It probably was. It probably still has like, <laughs> you know, 50? Swaziland on it. 54. Wow. Well, my guess was 32, right? Which I thought was a good guess. But I, I mean, think that's a pretty good guess. is insane. Yeah, we got it. Wow. We got to start learning some of these names. Well, it's that uh, West Coast, man. That West Coast is just like, you know. Country, 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 country. Yeah, they run out of colors for it. So, Ben, do you know who this is, this listener? 
Is it Garth Van Hull? It is Garth Van Hull. My, uh, he's my law school classmate. Uh, oh, he went to law school with you. Yeah, oh, that's totally. cool. I think he's a USAID or something. He's doing something really amazing in Africa. He's the best. And now he's going to be mad that I said he was your student. You know, I just hang that over more than 20 head. African countries in my head off the top of my head while you talked. I mean, what a terrible guest. All right. Well, we've oh. got to get on. Oh, my gosh. We've got so much to do. Let's just go right to it. The top three concerts of all time for the two of you. And I believe we agreed to no cheating on this, correct? Extra cheating, I think is what you meant. <laughs> yes, I have an extra frosting of cheat. Yes. <laughs> All right, go rapid fire, one to the other. Jeff, you start, then go to Ben. I'm going to go in chronological order. Number one, at the George Washington University Smith Center on the pageantry tour in 1986, REM with Let's Active opening. Oh, that sounds great. So we're, I'm not going to do three. I refuse to do three. I'm, doing I'm, not, I'm doing way more than three. We'll Just do six three stadium and three theater. That's fine. I'm doing six as well. Okay. Uh, okay. This is, and I'm, my, mine are not in a particular order, but first on the list that I have right in front of me, me, Jeff Simons for sure was there. I feel like my brother, Jake Barton was there. And we went to the cow palace to see Pearl jam sometime in the early nineties. Where's the cow palace? It's a really crappy venue um, in Daly City near yep. San Francisco. Is that right, Jeff? Yeah. Are you remembering this show? Yeah, go ahead. And my yeah. recollection is just that we were right up front, down in the pit, and a mosh pit broke out, and it was just an insane over-the-top. I mean, I actually went to the Pearl Jam show that's listed on the top. I went to two top 10 Pearl Jam shows, and this was not one of them, but this was my favorite Pearl Jam show. Like, I, awesome. it was just an amazing... Uh, like sweat yourself sick, slam dance, go nuts. Like it was super fun. All right. Jeff Simons. Uh, number two, JFK Stadium, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, before it gets torn down. I believe Ben was there as well, though we weren't there together because um, we hadn't met yet. But you two on the Joshua Woo! Tree Tour, 106,000 people. They closed with 40 and the crowd sang it to itself for 15 minutes after the lights went on all the way out into the parking lot, strangers Hello. hugging, holding hands. Bruce Springsteen song. came out in the encore and sang stand by me with them. Um, it was wow. great. One of awesome. the old timers. Ben Barton. Uh, bon Iver 2009 <gasps> tent show at Bonnaroo. Whoa. This is the acoustic tour. He played with the band that he came up by himself. You could have heard a pin drop. It was so unbelievably quiet in that space. It was beautiful. Okay. All right. Go Bon Iver. Or Bon Iver. My Pearl Jam show is number three. Uh, I could have picked any of the many shows I've seen with Ben, including when we flew to Montana to see them in Missoula Stadium. But the overall best show I saw was the opening night of the Versus Tour at the Greek Theater in Berkeley, California, which is a beautiful outdoor stone amphitheater that holds 8,000 people. Oh, wow. October 28th, 1993, uh, Pearl Jam Versus had come out that Tuesday. This was a Friday night. They burned through the whole record and a whole bunch of great stuff off of 10. And it was just, they were just an absolute airplane engine from start to finish. Uh, it was a triple bill with the American Music Club and Henry Rollins as the middle act. So by the time Pearl Jam hit the stage, everyone wow. was just was ready, <laughs> amped up. Yeah. All right, Ben, what do you got? 
Radiohead 2006 at Bonnaroo. Like um, I had fallen off of Radiohead basically. And Jeff and I went and he was like, are you not going to believe how good it was? And I was like, sure, fine. And we went and it blew my mind. Yay. Yep. Go Radiohead. It's on my list too. That's that was my last one. So I'll take, I won't bother, but yes, we have one in agreement. All right. Uh, okay. So fourth or fifth, whatever for my count, my account, Tom Petty and the heartbreakers at the Fillmore in San Francisco which holds 1,100 people. They announced a five-night residency, which became a 10-night residency, which became a 20-night residency <laughs> because tickets were selling so fast. And I was when you had to stand in line at Tower Records and I bought tickets to one show, got back in line, bought tickets to another, got back in line, bought tickets to another, got back in line, got tickets to the finale. I saw them four times out of 20 shows in the run. They played 89 different songs over the wow. 20 nights. There were guests every night. I saw John Lee Hooker. Uh, I may, my memory's a little fuzzy, but I might have been there the night Bo Diddley sat in. But, uh, you know, all, all four nights, I was 10 feet away, standing right in front of Mike Campbell. And uh, they played 35 songs, two and two hour, 25 minute sets uh, through the entire month of January. So and cool. uh, they're talking about releasing the whole thing is a ginormous box set next year. And I hope they do. Cause uh, I saw Tom Petty 20 times and he was never better than he was in those Fillmore shows. Cool. All right, Ben. Uh, Childish Gambino. This is America tour in Duluth. I talked about that. I'm just going to go through some I talked about already. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, Lizzo uh, Thursday night maybe 200 people there at Bonnaroo. Wow. That show was amazing, 2016. Stevie Ray Vaughan, 1989, New Year's Eve. First wow. set before he took heroin, smoking. <laughs> all fast numbers. Second set, post-heroin, just one slow number after another. Amazing. <laughs> all right. And my last band is Wilco. I have a tie. The first, uh, I believe, uh, uh, Mr. Timothy Plain was with me at the Higher Ground Ooh. in Winooski, Vermont in 1999. Where they let the roadie do an encore. Yes, where they were at the height of the summer teeth. Yeah. Just crazy faces meets the stones meets the replacements version of the band. Absolutely off the chain. Um, tied with the Greek Theater again uh, in Berkeley, in 2009 with Ockerville River opening up the the new version of Wilco two totally different bands 10 years apart two absolutely unforgettable shows the best part of the 2009 was uh um he was just in the greatest mood like in between songs he was just thanking the bay area like you guys invented rock concerts every time we come here it's the quietest best audience we've ever experienced he said i do have one complaint though spencer get out here and he made his kid come uh -huh. out on stage and he was dressed head to foot in tie-dye stuff and he's like which one of you fuckers did this to my kid <laughs> <laughs> he went out looking normal he came back from hate street dressed like this <laughs> who did this it was so funny so it really felt like a family affair and both those shows were just mind -blowing. Oh, that's great that's great all, all right, right one last one yeah close this it is out a moment not a show nice and jeff will recognize this for sure so 2010 at Bonnaroo and every year at Bonnaroo, whoever you go with is like, Oh, you got to go see this show. You got to go see that show. So this year it's Scott Schimmel and his lovely white wife, Lisa are like, you should go check out group love. You'll like group love. So I come halfway through the set 
the first time they played Bonnaroo. And it's like a boyfriend. I'm going to forget. I don't even like them that much. It's just boyfriend, girlfriend that are fronting it. And it's a packed tent show. And the place is going nuts. They are loving group love. And the band is so amped. They're like looking around at each other. And like after each song, they're like, I can't tell you how grateful we are that you're all here. We, we've never played for so many people. And there's like a huge roar. And they're like, oh. So their best song and my favorite song, which I didn't know at the time, I knew nothing about them. It's a song called Tongue Tied. Okay. And it's the last song that they play. They go into it and there's a ripple through the crowd. Like the crowd goes completely apeshit. You t- I'm, I'm backstage. So you turn out and you can just see a sea, like an undulating sea of human existence, all pressing towards the stage and screaming. And then you look at the band and the band is like, I can't believe like, they're, the band is like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to us. I'm, I'm literally having the best day of my life right in this very instant. I was so powerfully moved. I spontaneously wept. I, I was like dancing and enjoying it. And I was so overwhelmed by the human emotion from the crowd who was so excited and, and from, from the band and from everybody around me. Like, uh, and I choose that one moment, not because it was the best show I ever saw, because that's the thing you're chasing. Like that's yes. the emotion that you want to get out of this experience. And to show up in a band I'd never heard before, to hear their best song and everybody lose it. Like that's why you want to be in a group of humans to experience that. Amen. Ooh. Amen. Well I have a bunch said. of moments like that, but I will share another hilarious Ben Barton attends a rock concert moment. Uh, one of the years I couldn't join Ben at Bonnaroo. I, he always texts me through the whole day to tell uh-huh. me what he's done. And he, uh, and this is one of the years when they, when they were showing some of the sets live on the internet. So Ben says, oh my God, I just went to see some band at the main stage and a giant mosh pit broke out and I took my shirt off and waited in there. It was amazing. <laughs> so I went and watched the replay uh, and I found him instantly. Like I found the moment where he, you could see him on the video, like go, I'm in and rip his shirt off and then take over the mosh pit and, and like, for 30 seconds, the, the drone camera is just Ben clearing the mosh pit out as all these millennials are like, whoa, hey, oh, I've been doing this since 91. It was it was so great. It was so perfect because I knew what it would look like. And then it looked even better than what uh, I knew it looked like when I got to see it. So. Yeah, totally. And that's uh, Louisville's own White Reaper. That was yes. the show where I did the mosh pit. <laughs> All right, let's get to our three songs. Our three songs. Boom. Jeff, I think you go first. I will go first. Um, uh, I hope I'm not stealing. Oh, I'm not stealing anybody's thunder, I don't think. I might be stealing your song, Tim. But uh, here, again, this is a year where some of my some of the bands I've talked about before are some of my old bands I've loved for forever put out pretty great music. Um, Courtney Barnett had a throwaway single this year called Everyone Here Hates You, which is just awesome. Um, the Who put out their first record of new music in 14 years, and it was good. Uh, the first song, All This Music Must Fade, was really good. Bob Mould, who cut his bones in Husker Du and Sugar, put out another solo album in 2019, which has a killer song called What Do You Want Me To Do? And as the 50-year-old white rocker of this trio, I should pick one of those old aging dinosaurs, but I am not teeing myself up 
to get ridiculed by you all. So I'm going to choose a big hit single from this year that I absolutely love in the same way I love Tightrope by Janelle Monet, in the same way that I loved Hey Ya. Uh, it's just one of those songs where, I don't know, 20 seconds into listening to it, I was like, this better go to number one or there's no justice in the world. It's by uh, Melissa Vivian Jefferson, better known as Lizzo, who Ben has already name checked. Um, I don't know too much about Lizzo. I know she's from Minneapolis. I know she was a classically trained flautist as a child. Um, so she's got a, a really high level musical theory and musical performance background, which makes sense considering how musical or stuff is. I have to give Ben all credit. Lizzo was not on my radar at all until Ben started hounding me about her EP that had the song good as hell on it. Um, and, uh, you know, this is one of those Ben recommendations where like five seconds in, I just started laughing out loud. I was like, how did I not hear this? It's like why you need friends who love music because you can't find it all yourself. And so this was a five star gold star, Ben Barton find and uh, recommendation by the time Lizzo makes this record, she's a huge hit. Uh, I'm not breaking any new ground here, but every once in a while, you don't want to be the jackass who picks the song of the year by somebody that only makes mixtapes that is only on Bandcamp. Uh, and I'm enough of a music nerd that I do that sometimes. So my number one song of 2019 is Everybody Else's, or it's tied for second. It's Juice by Lizzo, one of the best singles of the decade. Juice. By Lizzo. Woo! Unapagic hey. old school, but this song is this rides the line. But this could be a chic song, except that it's a little bit more updated for 2019, more of a modern drum sound. But like that flanged guitar, that deep pocket drum beat, the use of the bass, the waiting on the bass and bringing it in, the that's all 1979 disco. But then you've got this 2019 delivery with all of that behind the beat. Da 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 da. It's just one of those great moments where somebody who has done her homework about what's come before and 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 digests it all and then gives it a, a new twist and a new spin, rotates the cube. I'm a huge Lizzo fan. I will listen to everything that woman does for the next 10 years. All right. Uh, without question and uh she's on my short list of i have to see this woman live before she uh stops performing so that's my song for the year good stuff love it ben barton you a fan 
Oh yeah, huge fan. And um, on the the like on the remix thing, "Good as Hell" is a remix soul song, and you won't believe how freaking good it is. It's like two and a half minutes long, and a huge banger. It's good as hell. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah, and then and then her song "Boys" is up there with me too. That song "Boys" made me laugh so hard when I first heard it. Like big boys, itty bitty boys. That whole thing is so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. It's just like it's it's my don't touch nothing. I do that in the house all the time. Boys, like I, I just can't stop singing it. All right, Ben Barton, what do you yeah. got? Who goes and first in the Barton house? Georgia Barton too. Hi. I'm gonna I'm gonna go first, and then right. uh, then Georgia can take over. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so um, I'm gonna choose. It's been teased multiple times. So I'm gonna choose a Lana Del Rey song. Um, and we have Georgia right here. By the way, on the way in, Georgia's listened to the podcast enough where she was like, I'm going to be very happy to listen to your lies in person instead of on tape. They're, they're small lies. They're, they're white lies. But that, like the way, the way dad always puts it and the way that he mansplained it to me on the way from the car to this building is that um, it's, sometimes it's not wrong to stretch the truth story for a good story yeah so georgia loves doesn't like and it and you can correct me i, her, I know what you're gonna say you her are favorite correct. all-time song may be summertime sadness by lana del rey that may be her favorite song i it's, want i want to say it's not the best lana del rey song it's not the best song ever don't no, don't no, be mad at me i'm not gonna claim that it's a great song but i do listen to it constantly and i would listen to it like I might play that at my funeral. Who knows? Like it's it's great. <laughs> it's and like Wild you're... Wild West by Kumal Kumal D for Tim. Yeah, right. that's right. <laughs> Georgia will, Georgia's song will actually explain really nicely the difference between favorite and best. But these are right. favorite songs. So Lana Del Rey has been on my radar this entire time, and I've sort of been keeping track of her. And whatever she puts out, I buy, even regardless of whether I like it or not. So she's born in the '80s in New York City, and then moves up to Lake Placid. And then she's got, uh, you know, some of this stuff is like, like uh, mythology that comes along with it. But she has a very depressed child, uh, middle, you know, like uh, teenage years. She gets sent off to boarding school. She goes to Fordham and is a metaphysics and philosophy major. And one of the things that's hilarious about her is that she's a little bit of a metaphysics and philosophy <laughs> major. Like she's just got a little bit of that going on. Um, while she's in New York, she's working on it. She puts out a self-titled album. Then she gets signed and she puts out Born to Die and that's got Summertime Sadness on it. And that's a gargantuan, massive worldwide hit, like a, like a top 10 hit in the US and the record sells the number one hit all over the world. Um, and George and I have had this conversation a bunch of times and she's here, but I'm not speaking out of school. The, all of the songs are great. I really, really, really like her songs. The production really varies for me and the chorus of summertime sadness just hurt my feelings so much like some some summertime i mean uh i just really didn't care for that and so i had a hard time getting into it that's her, her first major label record her second major label record is ultraviolence and if i felt like it i would make jeff guess which guitar hero she had produce it and i would have jeff go through 35 people before he got to dan auerbach Oh, perfect. Of course. Can you believe it? She hires yes. the Black Keys, who's a notorious a-hole. I mean, I don't know him personally, but he is a notorious a-hole to produce her second record. That's a and, weird choice. Oh, it's a super weird choice. And the record is actually medium interesting. It's like a guitar first record for a Lana Del Rey record. Um, but again, she's just chosen someone who is not going to channel the things about her that hurt her strengths. Not the most metaphysical guy. 
in the world. No, for sure. Dude, and actually, one of the, I mean, this, it's, a, it's a guitar first record because he was like, you know, you should sound like it. <laughs> me! And she was like, no, 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 I want to sound like me. And he's like, hold on a second. And he's like doing slide guitar and stuff. It's a I, can't, I can't hear you over the me. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, it's her fifth or sixth record is Norman fucking Rockwell. And that's the 2019 record. And so uh, it's um, Jack Antonoff, and it's a record that, in my opinion, finally captures, it connects the songwriting to the musicianship, to the sound. And I mean, again, you're Miles Joveri. It sounds like a record that I like, so, so that may be problematic. Um, but that being said, it's like a beautiful record, super acoustic. He strips it all the way down. There's a bunch of strings. It's terrific. Um, it's 2019. She's had a really kind of up and down rocky road. So. She's been really criticized. She's called like an anti-feminist. She's criticized for being um, not PC enough. She's criticized for being too PC. She's one of these artists that came up in this Twitter era where I just can't imagine what it must be like to be a person in this era where whatever you do, everyone's on top of you all the time criticizing you. And so it's 2019. And there's a bunch of buzz about the record. And I'm like, I'm really worried that it's going to be like a big political statement, like a big Trump record or something like that. It's the exact opposite. So, um, and again, this is all secondhand, but she has a, a relationship that she gets into, has, is really happy about, and then breaks up. And she creates a work of art that's just the cradle to grave of this relationship. It starts when they meet. There's a middle part where they're super happy. And then there's an end part where they break up. And the Norman fucking Rockwell is a statement of her about like normality. She's like, I just have this normal heterosexual relationship that makes me happy. Um, and then the end of the record is when they break up and she's sad. It's a really, really like, especially for a modern artist, it's an amazing album. Like it tells a unified story from the beginning to the end the second song refers to the 14th song, which refers to the eighth song. It builds on themes. Yeah. We, like don't, we don't do that anymore. No, we don't do sure. that in 2019. The first single I got is called, and I was going to choose this song. It's a late scratch. I was going to choose Venice Bitch, which I've pitched before. It's I kind of can't believe you didn't choose that one. It's a nine, her, the first single for the stupid record is a nine and a half minute song called Venice Bitch where the first line of it is, what if I were fresh out of fucks forever? That's the beginning of the first single, which by the way, reflects the record. Yeah. She's like, I'm stripped down. You don't like the songs, move on. Like if I'm not for you, you know, she's, she's done trying to please other people on this record. She's doing her own thing. And there's, uh, I love it. Instead, I'm going to choose Mariner's Apartment Complex. Jeff will know. And we'll do this again when we do the album pods. A great album leads with the second song. Yes. Second song is the killer song. You put your best, like if you have a shitty record, you put your best song first and you're like, I just hope to ride it out. That's all I want. <laughs> or if you don't know what you're doing, you put your best song seventh. Like, why would you do that? The second song announces your presence with authority. And that's what Mariner's Apartment Complex does. Jeff, I'm going to ask you to start it like, 31 seconds because it's a long intro like and, and I, I apologize it's a five minute song so i don't want to give you the whole thing there's like a string intro a piano intro and then we get into her singing and explains everything about this relationship what makes her happy about it what makes her sad about it hit me jeff 
Mariner's Apartment Complex by Lana Del Rey. You took my sadness out of context At the Mariner's Apartment Complex I ain't no candle in the wind I'm the board, the lightning, the thunder Kind of girl who's gonna make you wonder Who you are and who you've been And who I've been is with you on these beaches Your Venice bitch, your diehard, your weakness Maybe I could save you from your sins So kiss the sky and whisper to Jesus My, my, my you found this in needless Take a deep breath, baby, let me in You lose your way, just take my hand You're lost at sea, then I'll command your boat to me So yeah, so I love this description of her. I love this description of him. I love this description of their relationship and her role in the relationship. Like throughout the record, she describes him as immature and a man child. And at the end, his treatment of her when they break up, break up. Like again, it's like it's a it's a, a fictional album, but I'm like I'm really mad at this guy. <laughs> I do not appreciate the way he treated. I would Lana like to speak to him right now, right? Especially because at the beginning here, she's like the type. She describes herself as the type of person that she is, and then when he's lost at sea, she just has to reach out to him. And then the "I'm your man, I'm your man" as the chorus to the song. It's just a super interesting gender like reversal and the meaning of what that means. I'm your man. Like she's going to be the person who's going to be strong in the relationship. She's going to pull him along. Um, whole record is beautiful. I would strongly recommend it. Awesome. Awesome. If you're going to rank Taylor Swift, Lord, Lana Del Rey, do you have to do that? <laughs> I get them confused. Oh. Billie Eilish? Billie Eilish? Where's she come in? So for me, like the difference... <laughs> George, George. That's embarrassing for you. I, I just want to say that. That's well, exploded. Welcome to my life. Welcome to my life. Lana Del Rey is a straight line for me from Joni Mitchell in a way that Lord and Taylor Swift are not. Huh. Like, this is an artiste. I, the thing that's held me back with Lana Del Rey is the uneven production. Um, like, this went in this, the, even in this 30 second clip, I don't love the first half. And then I absolutely love the second half. Like, when that band kicks okay. in, and it goes to Technicolor and the strings are perfectly in the pocket. It's wonderful. But I do, uh, I mean, and I'm like, I'm still working on it. Like Ben is such a huge Atlanta Del Rey fan that I'm not writing her off. And I, I own all these records and I, you know, at least once a month I put one on. And, and I usually just get, I'm not a guy who likes eight slow songs in a row. Like that's a hard sell for me. Right. Um, but, uh, but I don't disagree with anything Ben said about the artist or this record or it's, um, its aspirations and like certainly like Lana even if Lana Del Rey is not your thing like there's nothing here to to dislike the way she's taken it on the chin in the in the public discourse like 
I think I feel like I feel like she's too talented for Twitter and social media. Like she's too complicated and interesting to exist in the in the unnuanced binary of good and bad people in which her career started. And I really like Ben admire that she just pushed through that and has carved out a space of nuance for herself that she has a big enough fan base with her that she can ignore the chatter on the periphery. I will note that she followed up her, it's not her best selling, but it's her best reviewed record with a unbelievably bizarre spoken word poetry. That is just you. If you just want to have a laugh, just totally go and check out the Lana Del Rey spoken word poetry record. It makes trans uh, seem like a good record. (laughs) It's such a weird choice. It's like when Jewel put out that poetry collection Uh, right after that pieces of you record. Like it's a, it was a very bad misstep. Oh, well, I disagree. I don't think it was a misstep at all. I think she did it on purpose. She was like, like, you know, you like that? Maybe you'll like my weird spoken word poetry. Yeah, maybe. Although you, there's a whole other version of it where it's like a sting loot record. It's like pretension oh. on top of pretension. Oh, I for mean. sure. I'm sorry, did Sting put out a loot record? At least one. He probably put out more than one. I stopped paying attention. And he put it out to look like an old classical, like Dutch gramophone record. <laughs> I mean, it just, it makes so many... Uh, fatal errors. It's all right. All right. Georgia, take it away. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. 2019, the year of Georgia. Okay. So I think dad might have complained about this a little bit on the podcast. Uh, the way I like listen to music and like my pattern of music listening is I just like, I let songs come to me. I let like, I, I like what are the, what other people play for me and what, uh, what other people recommend and like z- songs I randomly hear on the radio. That's like my collection of music tastes. I don't look for music. I don't like, if I listen to one song by an artist and I like that song, I don't listen to the rest of their songs. I'm, I don't, I'm too lazy. Okay. And there are uh, three exceptions to this rule. And uh, the exception that's that's the funniest i think is uh run dmc because i bought i bought a shirt a shirt by them and i was like i don't know any of their songs i need to know their their songs if i can wear this shirt um the second one is uh janelle monet i just really like her i just like i found her on spotify and went, went well i already knew some of her songs but i shuffled her songs on spotify and i was like hmm. and the third exception and the biggest exception is taylor swift and Dad has talked at length about Taylor Swift, so I will not talk too long about Taylor Swift, but I've liked Taylor Swift for as long as I can remember. My first memory of music is, uh, I I don't know if this is like my very first, but it's like when I look back and I think like, what's my earliest, my uh, earliest uh, memory of music? And I think uh, watching the You Belong With Me music video with my sister and (laughs) great song. Uh, And I just like, whatever Taylor Swift puts out, I'll listen to and like, like okay, like a couple weeks ago she put out like a re-recording of fearless which is like my right. least favorite album of hers and i listened to the whole thing yeah you've been doing a lot of listening in the yeah, last Taylor eight Swift months put it out and yeah. so um the song i'm going to talk about today is on her seventh album out of nine albums um so like her peak i i think i would say of like uh the like critical uh acclaim and um being like big on the uh, the radio and big a big hit and whatever is probably like her her, her the two albums uh red and 1989 which were back to back and so after after 1989 the whole thing happened with Kanye I'm not going to talk at length about at length about that um after after that that happened the album Reputation came out I personally like Reputation I think people are too mean about Reputation but people the, reputation not not super critically acclaimed not a not a huge hit 
but after reputation came lover so um uh, uh lover is the seventh album also not super well critically reviewed but like i said whatever taylor swift uh, puts out i listen to you're so in, i'm gonna yeah. tell a bit of a more personal story after the song but the song uh, i i i have is uh paper rings which is dad's favorite song off the uh, Wait, the no, record my favorite song off the album so um go ahead and play it pa paper rings paper rings okay Your friends were the night that we first met Went home and tried to stalk you on the internet Now I've read all of the books beside your bed The wine is cold like the shoulder that I gave you in the street Cat and mouse for a month or two or three Now I wake up in the night and watch you breathe Kiss me once cause you know I had a long night Kiss me twice cause it's gonna be alright Three times cause I waited my whole life came out August 23rd, 2019. 2019 was a rough year for me. Not as rough as 2020, but the like <laughs> latter end of 2019, like fall 2019, uh, like was not a good time for me. Um, so August 23rd is when this came out. And um, my sister and the internet say that my mom's primary and the day before my, my sister left for college was um, August 27th. Dad uh -huh. says it's September 8th. Um, so either way, either way, either way, tough, tough stretch. Either, either way. So mom, won, won the, uh, mom, uh, mom got, came second in the primary, but that's how much she got to go to the general. So that was incredible. And then my sister left for college. Um, but my mom was running for, pre uh, I almost said president. My mom was running for mayor. Uh, dad was helping and my sister had just left for college. Aww. And I was a little lonely. <laughs> and so I was like, spent a lot of time at home alone <laughs> and I like and, and like I like wasn't I was like doing a little bit worse in school than I normally did um and I was just having like a, a pretty rough time and like also felt like lonely and not I didn't have a lot of people to help me handle the rough time um so instead of listening to sad songs frequently I like to listen to sad songs when I'm yeah excited, but I listened to this, like pretty <laughs> majority happy album during, during this time and I just listened to it over and over and over again I, I listened to it on the way to school on the way back it like became really personal and important to me, and me because like it was such a rough time and like lover was there for me when nobody else was it was like oh this <laughs> not nobody um <laughs> it's like oh oh th like this album is it became like really a comfort album and I'm not going to say at all. I'm not going to try and tell anyone that it's their best record. I personally, I think 1989 is the best record. I, I maybe Evermore, but I think I still have to sit with Evermore a bit more yeah, to, to decide. Too. But um, Lover's my favorite Taylor Swift album, which is a little embarrassing because it's not her best one. And like, it's probably lower on the list of her albums. And I recognize that. And anybody who doesn't like Lover, I understand completely. And I'm not <laughs> going to try and argue with you about that. But it's very personal to me. And it was there for me in a time when I definitely needed it. Yeah. And I, I really love that album. And I really love this song. 
And I would definitely recommend listening to the album. Probably skip the first single, which is called Me, but the rest of the songs I either really love or got Stockholm Syndrome for. Yeah. So. I mean, how many, how many girls point to T-Swizzle as <laughs> helping them through stuff? I, I mean, she's, she's perfect for that. And oh. you go to her sad songs too, and you can kind of totally find someone to identify with and who's speaking your language. And then the happy poppy stuff is just off the hook. So I love Georgia. First of all, thanks for joining us. Perfect. <laughs> um, but you just you just argued against your approach to music. The reason Ben and I go down the rabbit hole when we hear a great song is we're looking for our favorite, not the best. Like if you're lucky enough to find a song that knocks you sideways and that artist has written more than one. Yeah. And it's all there for you. Like that's just the invitation to find your next favorite, right? Whereas if you rely on what other people tell you and give you, all you'll hear is the best. You'll hear the most popular. You'll hear the ones that will be remembered 20 years from now as the indicative track. And that's, that's, why, that's, that's what Ben and I are chasing all the time is to find the Taylor Swift paper rings for the artists that we listen to. But also, I love the. I mean, we've had this argument multiple times on the podcast: the difference between favorite and best. Yeah, yeah. Per, that's exactly that it. Thing, it's going to be brutal that way because you know the best thing is when the favorite is the best is the most popular, but that's right. not the case every yeah. year. No. And I'll just say, like uh, uh, speaking to that particular song, I said my favorite Taylor Swift is the up tempo toe tapper, happy Taylor Swift. Right. And this is a perfect example. It of really it. is. It's yeah. such a pop masterpiece. And in, like, this is how much I love it. It reminds me of the cars in the following way. She throws the whole kitchen sink. Like yep. there's the kitchen sink and she dumps over yep. the, the yep. utensils drawer and then she throws the frying pan in. When she does the one, two, one, two, three, four. It makes me laugh so hard. Yeah. She just finished doing the ho, hey, ho, hey. It's a Ramon song into a romantic song yeah, into a great. car song. It's like, when does it end? And, yeah, and it's not the single from the record. Like she's got a half dozen songs that are like this that you haven't heard. Like she's just an amazing artist in my opinion. Right. You know what I love about her is she does it and then she like, there's a version of it, she, she somehow is able to give give forth the sense that she's the first one to ever count off one, two, three, four. Oh, I know. That's the part yeah. that's so great. It's like, joy. She, when she does it, you're like, she, you're, you have this sense like, does she think she invented that? And that's what <laughs> makes it so great. It's, yeah. it's just like guileless in its invitation to have fun. Yep. Wow. I don't know how to transition uh, to my song because... That that was great. That's a great song. By the way, another song I've never heard before. I know. I'm sorry. Um, no, 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 no worries. So I, I don't know. It's it's interesting when an artist reaches their 40s. And, and Jeff and Ben, you could probably name I don't know a half a dozen artists who reached their 40s and handled it well, and probably a half a dozen who reached their 40s and their career or their creativity uh, bottoms out. I do think it's different for a woman. And, and here we go. We've got another podcast with the year of the women. Uh, we've got four songs by female artists. Uh, and I find that Jenny Lewis is becoming more and more interesting uh, the older she gets. And, and guys, she's nipping on our heels. She's born in 76. Uh, she will be on our podcast before you know it. 
and she's still cranking out great music. Uh, this is the album where she, she gets Ringo Starr, I think, to play drums on her album. And we're going to go with that first song off of her 2019 album. And that song is Heads Gonna Roll. Heads Gonna Roll by Jenny Lewis. Since I haven't talked to you, I dream about your baby blues and wonder why you stopped getting thinking about all four of these uh, artists know what they're doing and know their thing and know what they're chasing. Um, and, and they don't necessarily um, need others telling them, Oh, your shtick's not working. Like Jenny Lewis has been doing this gosh, 20 plus years. Uh, and I love it. Anything she puts out, I'm going to listen to, and I'm going to do a deep dive into love this album. Did you guys is get this, this your album? First, is this your first Jenny Lewis pick? Or is it's this my, second? Oh, it's my second. I did the fruit, oh, uh, Rilo right. Kylie. So the best Jenny Lewis song I've ever heard is a song called Late Bloomer on the record before this one, The Voyager. Yeah. I yep. think Late Bloomer is the most brilliant unheard song of that last decade. So it's great. I'm it's a big awesome. Jenny Lewis fan as well. Um, another another like sneaky great pick from Tim Plain, who keeps trying to play off that aw shucks. I'm just, uh, I'm just hanging around, but he keeps landing haymakers. Lizo, is it? Is that what you picked? Lizo? Yeah. Anyway, Ben Barton, what do you think of Jenny Lewis? I'm a fan of Jenny Lewis for sure. Um, It's a little too mid-tempo for me. Yeah. It's five minutes long. But I do like her. She's the queen of mid-tempo. She really is. But when she, when she like matches that mid-tempo stuff up with a couple of rockers, like, yeah. I don't like any one of her records gate to gate, but there's in at least four records, there's a four or five song stretch where I'm like, this is great. I just what's, don't have to. What's that? Um, over. She got that song with Elvis Costello too. You must like that one. Yeah, I do. I, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah. it's, it's too long. It's like nine minutes long on uh, the one from 2008 that I can't yeah. remember the name of, but that's a good song. Georgia, do you like Jenny Lewis? I have never heard of Jenny Lewis before this day. <laughs> Oh yeah. You were pointing at me. I'm pointing at you, sister. Um, I think the song sounds okay. I think I like the like (laughs) when the chorus starts in and what do you what do you call that? Where it like comes in and it's like it's not bass, but I like I don't know what it is. I'm not I'm not a music (laughs) terms person. I don't I don't know the things. I just listen to it and I'm like, oh that's nice. Um, the chorus. You're talking about I, I liked the chorus, like whatever that thing that wasn't the regular guitar that came right. out. Right, heads gonna better roll. better not make fun of me for this. No, I'm like, gonna make you it. a Spotify playlist of Jenny Lewis songs, um, and because you like people who bring you things, I'm gonna bring you Jenny Lewis. 
things. I'm gonna this make is... Dahlia a um, Drake mix too for her birthday. Oh, I told her she that. Would so. be very... She's I really I like looking. The, I like the. Chorus. She's really looking forward to it. I think the middle is a little like. Ugh. It's it sounds a lot like a lot of a lot of other things I've heard, and it's not bad. Like I'm not gonna be like, okay. oh, I need to turn right. it off right, right. now. Gosh, I can I can get this upstairs in my house. I don't need this on my podcast. <laughs> Come on. This is my basement. This is my time. I'm just All saying right. that's too afraid to say. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love it. All right, y'all. We're not getting together this Wednesday because you're going cross country, but maybe what, like this Friday or Saturday? That sounds great. Hell yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. You oh, wait, wait, wait. Awesome. wait. Friday. Well, Friday, it has to be late because I got to drive to the mountains for uh, a mountain yeah, biking yeah. thing. We'll figure it out. We'll, well figure yeah, it we'll out. Figure it out. <laughs> okay. They don't want to listen to this. Uh, <laughs> but don't forget, it's uh, May 5th. We're live. Right? Coming up. Wait. Coming all right. Up. Thank you so much. We'll see you, you all later. All done, hey, guys, have a, have a great trip. Have yeah, have fun, y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye. Hey, if you're having as much fun as we are, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating on Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a shout. And then check us out on Twitter or at our Facebook page, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric Acid. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the rock podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric acid. Electric acid.